0: have Sunday school, and we have uh, the teen the teen class. What what is that class up to, Cleo? High school. High school. Okay. And they meet upstairs. And when they're finished, they all of a sudden I start to see faces poking up through the glass, and they're looking, trying to figure out where we are. Actually, I think that's when Pastor Daniel's preaching. <laughs> They make clocks up there. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you turn in your Bibles, I'd like to continue talking about... Uh, I, I, I want to talk about God. I want to talk about God. I, I find we have one, one and a half hours a week... Maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. And then you do the math out of 168 hours a week, that's like 1% of time together, plus or minus. And in that 1% of time, as a pastor, as a priest before my God, I feel it very important that I share and I talk about God So um, I want to spend some time. And what I find as I've talked, as I meditate on him, I find the more I get to see him, the more I get to know him, it's like the more I realize I need to know him more. I need to understand him more. I need to to see him more. I need to know him more. And in this passage, Paul, we've, we've looked at verses 15 through to verse 19, where Paul says, I'm praying for you that your eyes would be open, that you'd understand what is the hope of your calling, what is the glory of your inheritance, and what is the unsurpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. Last week, I continued afterwards talking about his power. This week, I want to do a little bit of, I want to take a step back, and I want to look a little bit at the context of this verse and this passage that we've looked at, what I want to look at is a little bit of the context in that passage. And it starts in verse 2. Now, I'll give you a couple little thoughts. We're going from verse 3 to verse 14. In the Greek, they, some scholars actually think that's one sentence. 202 Greek words. I'd get exhausted if it was one sentence. It's like, <gasps> and keep going. Breathe deep and keep going. But it's a, it's a powerful passage. And, and what I want to do is I want to read it. But I'd like to do a little exercise as we do this. Anybody here game for a little Sunday school exercise? What I'd like to do is I'd like you, as I read this passage, if you're reading it with me, great. If you're listening to it, great. But what I'd like you to do is count how many times in this passage we hear the phrase, in Christ, in Him, through Him. So just very simply, as I read this, and some of them I might emphasize just to make it easy on us, because we've been out of school for a while, Pastor Daniel says 20 years ago. It was 30. He he says, you know, 20 years ago when they were in diapers. No, he was out of diapers 20 years ago. It was like 30 years ago and he was getting out of diapers. It's it's like when you get older, it's like, okay, was it 10 years ago? No, it was 40. Oh. Um, So I know we've been out of school for a while. So as I read this, the first thing I want us to do is just count each one of us. Count as I'm sharing in Him, through Him, in Christ, through Christ. Just see how involved God is in our life and how important He is and how unimportant we are. You ready? Get your clickers on, and we're going to see who gets it right. And I got a Kit Kat chocolate bar. No, I'm kidding. I don't have a Kit Kat chocolate bar. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual place, uh, blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. to the end that we who were the first to hope in, in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, have also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. How many phrases, Him. In him, through him, his. How many? Anybody want to shout it out? Fifteen? Fifteen. Anybody else count? Anybody else? (laughs) Ninety two. Do you see how active? God is in our life. And what I find amazing as I read this, it's like, I did nothing. I did nothing. I did nothing. He chose me. He saved me. He redeemed me. He gives me inheritance. It's like, it puts me in my place very quickly. And I've been impressed how good God is. Because, you know, he did this not after I came to him. He came this, did this before the foundation of the world. In other words, he didn't go, oh, David's doing pretty good today. Okay, I think I'm going to choose him. No, he chose me before I was me. I don't understand that, <clears throat> but somehow God is beyond time. Time is a construct that we have that God has given us for our benefit, but He is outside of time. Okay? So he sees things before he sees things, after he sees things, during, and it doesn't mess him up. That's why we see so much of salvation is, is so val- salvation was I was chosen then, but I accepted him, but also I have this inheritance to come. That's why it says Jesus who was, who is, and who is to come. And by the way, he doesn't improve, he doesn't need to be rebooted. He doesn't need to be plugged in to get the latest update. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he accomplished 2,000 years ago on the cross is just as effective today as it was when he completed the physical act. And by the way, he... Did a physical, like he actually was crucified. It wasn't, that's not metaphorically, that is a literal thing. He took 39 stripes, they say, which was what the Greeks would do or the Romans would do, which was one short of his incapacitating the person. That was intense. Because actually, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Lord, if it's at all possible, could this pass? Could... That's pretty intense. And he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. What I want us to see from this passage is, I've, I've written down seven things, but as we read this passage, there's like multiple 15 16 17 references that are all dependent on God the references are not dependent on what I have done so I want to just share with you one of them is we're blessed with every spiritual blessing verse 3 Blessed with every spiritual blessing. The word blessed is actually used three times. Blessed twice and blessing once in that verse. And blessing there and blessed, it actually refers to speaking highly of, praising, or giving. So it's, it's actually even refer, references the word eulogy that you share at a funeral when you talk about the goodness or how great some, and you want to just lift up and, and share about this individual. Blessed with every spiritual blessing. In, in the, the phrases, what they say is, uh, one of the commentaries is, it's a spiritual blessing. It's originating from heaven. And it's coming down to us. God has for us things that go beyond our world. I'm trying to stretch your thinking and your your imagination right now because I find quite often it's what I see that seems to affect my world. I mean, we're we're human. We are created and and we don't just live by going oh I'm not going to we see things. But we are actually spirit beings. When we accepted Christ, it says we were born again, not of flesh, but of the Spirit. What God has for you and I exceeds, goes beyond, is further than what you and I can grasp physically or naturally in this world, it becomes from the heavenlies. It comes from a place that does not change. It's the best. It comes from a place that has no beginning and no end. It comes from a place that there is no improvement because it's already the best that can be. The blessings that God has for you. I'm not sure I understand this. Can I just be honest? I'm not sure I can pick this up all the time. Because if I was to walk in this revelation, I, I, th- I think it would blow our thinking and our expectations Out out of this place. What God has for me goes beyond what I have here already. Blessed with every spiritual blessing. He chose us. He picked you. As a kid, I would play street hockey. And I had brothers that were older than me. And they would always get picked first. And I was one of the youngest kids playing at that time. And, I mean, these things scar children. You know, it would be a group of ten, and i pick one. And we didn't use any psychology back there. We didn't go, you pick for the other team. No, it's you pick for your team. If you picked for the other team, I would have been picked first every time. But we picked for ourselves, and so I would get picked last or near the end. I mean, a, a kid's dodgeball. You know, all the kids that are, know how to throw a ball get picked, and the ones who don't know how to jump, who don't know, struggle with this or struggle with, they get picked last. Well, that was kind of me. But he chose me. He didn't go, well, what's left? Well, there's two left. He's got two left feet. I'm going to pick the other. He chose you. (laughs) He chose you. He valued you. He looked at you and said, you are of value and I choose you. It's it's not a random accident. We're not a group of misfits. We're a group chosen. In 1 Peter it says, you are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, that you would show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And time and time again, I want us to think, as I'm going through this, I had nothing to do with this. Paul says, we're saved by grace through faith. He says, not that what we have done, otherwise we would boast. Can you imagine in today's world, with social media the way it is, if somebody could choose their salvation based on what they did, what Havoc that would produce on social media. A click funnel to salvation. Six steps and you get this. And join me in this. And see, I've done this 78 times and I've got this. No, it's nothing you and I have done. It's because of what he's done. And he chose us. And it says he chose us, and this is interesting, to be holy and blameless one of them is the positive and one of them refers to accidents or issues where there might be blame associated and he chose us and he says no you're blameless he predestined us to be adopted in other words he took us and he says i want you in my family I want you. If you look around today, what you're looking at is your brothers and your sisters. Because we are a family. We're a body. He predestined us. I love this one. He gave us redemption. In verse 7, in him we have redemption. Listen to this. Through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. And if you dive into that, what you find out is the forgiveness is actually a complete freedom. Complete freedom. Complete freedom from sin. Sin no longer rules, reigns, or has control of my life. This gets very, very, very um, interesting. Because his grace, his grace, it's like, I, I'm trying to understand it because you can, it's extreme. Can I just say, it's It's radical. His death on the cross abolished sin once and for all. He doesn't keep dying on the cross. I'll say this. The sin I commit in the past is taken care of. The sin that I will commit in the future, he's taken care of. It's like radical. Because if it was up to me, I'd have some point in there. I'd say, no, let's let's review this. (laughs) He keeps messing up. Now, that doesn't mean he wants us to stay there. Please, please don't hear me and think, oh, I can just do what I want because he forgives me. Which he does forgive, but that's not what he wants. Paul says what? Shall I continue to sin that grace may abound? God forbid. It's not that I continue there, but what I do is I go, wow, his remission is a complete wiping away. (laughs) A complete wiping away. He chooses not to remember. He puts it as far as the east is from the west. He is not forgetful. He has chosen not to bring it up. He says, no, it's wiped away. It's gone. He does not suffer from amnesia. He is a forgiving God. He is a God of grace. And Paul says it's the riches of his grace. Grace, oh my. His grace is so much greater, it's scary. When we apportion, when we live out his grace, it almost feels like you would be a hypocrite. Because we would be beating ourselves up. Where he says, no, I took the beating already for you. And again, it doesn't mean I stay there But what we see here in this passage in Ephesians is this is our starting point. Before I did anything, God said, here, this is for you. I didn't come to him and say, hey, can we negotiate salvation? And I'd like this, this, this." no, he said, he came, he knocked on the door. And he says, believe me. You believe me, you're saved. Again, no, I need to do something. No, believe me. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Noah believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. You read it. But what did Noah do? He built an ark. What did Abraham do? He left where he was living to go where God had told him to go. By the way, he's, can you imagine having coffee with Abraham? And he goes, yeah, I just sold everything. I just want to have coffee just to let you know what's up. You know, by the way, I've got a life update. I'm moving. Oh, where are you going? I don't know. Oh, how are you gonna get there? Other than that, I don't know. Oh, how long's it gonna take you? It's probably my whole life. And how many kids you got? None. And what, what what did you say? Well, I was told I'd be the father of many nations. Like, at some point, you'd want to go over and get real. But with God, he comes and he calls and he he comes and he says, this is for you. And all I'm asking you to do is believe. And when you believe, it affects and it changes the way you live. I think we've got the cart before the horse in so many instances in Christian life, because we have to do, we have to do. And, and I'm all about serving, doing. I'm not about sitting on my behind. I'm about doing. But I don't do to get his permission or to get his. I do because he loves me. My Father on earth loves me. I don't do things to earn his love. I do things because he loves me, and he's given his life for me. And because of that, I will do anything for my dad. I'll do anything for my mom. I might do a lot of things for my brothers. Okay, see, some of you caught that. But, But love what God has for us. He says, here it is. He does not negotiate. He says, here it is. Believe me. And he's in this passage, Paul is saying it's in him, it's through him, it's his riches, it's his grace, it's his goodness. Redemption. One of the commentaries says this remission, being the explanation or the explaining of the word redemption, includes not only deliverance from sin's penalty, but from its pollution and enslaving power negatively and the reconciliation of an offended God and a satisfaction unto a just God positively. It's more than just a forgiveness of sin. It is a reconciling, a reconciling. That passage too, that verse, it says... um, which he lavished on us. That actually word lavished, one of the ways you can think of it is like a shower that's turned on that just pours. It's an abundance beyond what you actually need. You will never exhaust God's goodness. Now here's another thought. He loves you. He disciplines you. Thank you, Pastor Nelson. Somebody was brave enough to say, Yes, Lord. His grace is amazing. But He also loves us so much that He doesn't want us to stay where we are. It's scandalous. He made known to us the mystery of His will. Making known to us is only something that comes through divine revelation. When Peter had the divine revelation where Jesus says, who do people say that I am and then who do you say that I am? That wasn't something Peter ascended to mentally. That was something God gave him supernaturally, divinely. I think we need to expect some divine interruption and divine input into our life. Quit expecting to do it on your own and start saying, God, I need you. Even if you're sweeping the floor. If you're facing something at work, you've got decisions to make, I would suggest to you the best thing you can do is invite him into your world. He's made known to us the mystery of his will. It says, We've obtained an inheritance. And I shared with you earlier that in the other passage, when you read on in verse 17 and 18, when it talks about the glory and the riches of his inheritance, it's actually some scholars refer to it not just as our inheritance, but his inheritance in us. And in this passage, again, it's not just what we have, although we get something, but it says we have a heritage. Where did I get my heritage? I got it from him. I'm overwhelmed with how involved God wants to be in my life. I'm not sure we ever get to the spot where he goes, okay, David, I'm just involved with you too much. Like every day you ask me to be with you. That's like you're pushing it, David. Come on, pull it back a bit. Do some stuff yourself. I don't think he ever gets exhausted by being available for us. He's a good father. By the way, just try to exhaust. Try to exhaust him this week. Everything you face, just try. Try to exhaust God this week by everything you face. Say, God, I need you. You know what he might say is, you know what? I've given you the keys, now do it. You're not exhausting him. What you're doing is you are actually getting what he has given for you to do. You don't have to exhaust God by saying, Would you get me up in the morning? No, get up. Another one is we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. I find this intriguing as well. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's part of the Godhead God the Father, God the Son of the Holy Spirit. In fact, you see all three of them in this passage. He is no less God. Jesus said, I'm going to go so that I can give you and I can send to you and, and he will come another one just like me. One of the same. He wasn't. The Holy Spirit is no less God than Jesus is and he's no less God than the Father is. I just find that amazing because what he says is he gives us him as a seal. If you were to give somebody a seal of that you're going to complete the deal, you wouldn't give him a hundred percent. You'd hold back a little bit and say, I'll give you 25%. That's going to seal the deal, and I'll give the rest to you at the end. And he says, No, I'll give you who I am. The thing is, we never exhaust who he is. but you are sealed. He's put his stamp on you. You have the imprint of God in your life. There's a passage that says we are hidden in Christ. When you read this, sealed with Christ, It's an immediate action. I'll I'll just read this. In him, you also, after listening, listen to this, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, having also believed, you were sealed in him. When were you sealed? When you believed. (laughs) I was sealed, the Holy Spirit, as a child. Again, he's I, I'm not going to say when I get to heaven I'm going to ask him, because I think when I get to heaven I'm just going to go, he's going to go, what were you going to ask David? It's, don't worry, I don't need to know. This is pretty good. But, if it was left up to you or I, if we could be honest, we'd say, He's not going to get what he needs till he proves himself. And God says, I'm going to give him what he needs right off the start. Now, it's also progressive. Because it also, if you continue reading, it says not only were we sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is a pledge of our inheritance. In other words, not only is it for now, but it's also for the future. But you can live today with the full assurance that the Holy Spirit is with you, in you, and has made you, sealed you in him. You don't have to work for your salvation. You don't have to prove. It says, well, what about faith without works is dead? Yeah, but it's, that's true. But it's not that I do these things to, to earn myself. I am saved. And my life resembles a life that is saved and touched by God because of what I've done, because of what he's done affects what I do. Hmm. I wrote this down. He's not looking for behavior modification. He's looking for life transformation. He wants to transform their life. In fact, he has. Don't look at the fruit. Look at the root. And the root is Christ Jesus. What he has done. He's not looking to change your behavior. What he says is, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's done. That is the backdrop and the context of getting the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation and the full knowledge of him. That's the context. That's the landscape that Paul was writing this in. That's the landscape that we would understand what is the hope of his calling. That's the backdrop. That's the picture that is painted for us to understand what is the greatness of, and the surpassing riches, the greatness and the surpassing power of his might. That is what is also, what is the uh, incredible inheritance that you and I have. And if you continue reading, he does this again and again. And then he gets to Ephesians chapter 4 and he says, Therefore, walk worthy. I am not here to tell you to sit down and do nothing because God's done it all. No, I'm sitting here to tell you, you can do it because of what he's done. You can beat the addiction. You can beat the habit. Not because of what you can muster up, but because of what he's given you, the riches he has for you, the strength that he has for you. Because of that, you can overcome. Amen? I'd like to close with a word of prayer. If you could stand for a moment. If you'd... I'd encourage you to open yourself up to receive as I speak these words over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. God bless you. Thank you for turning your clocks forward. Have a great day.